Empire. Triple Play Fantasy's football show with D. Mindy, Brastadamus, Doc, and Johnny Foosball starts now. What's going on, everybody? We are back at you again tonight with a very special guest. Without further ado, Welcome in a man that shows all superheroes don't wear capes as he's helped save your favorite sport from a lockout. The executive director of the National Football League's Player Association, this man helped play a major role in helping players and owners come to terms on a new collective bargaining agreement during the 2011 lockout. If you were looking to look at his resume, it's, it's blinding, honestly. I mean, a trial lawyer, litigation partner, <laughs> looking... Working for the U.S. Attorney's Office, I mean, Department of Justice, I'm not going to read any more because I already feel like I'm inadequate enough. <laughs> this gentleman shares the same honors as Woodrow Wilson, Robert F. Kennedy, and Ted Kennedy, having graduated from the pristine University of Virginia School of Law. We welcome in the number one UMD LAC supporter, the man whose F in his name stands for fantastic, Mr. Demoris Smith. How's it going, my friend? First of all, uh, it's great. Great to join you guys. Hey, man, two things. One, I, I just want to be the guy in the graphic. I mean, that guy looks a little angry. <laughs> looks, a little, looks a little steroided up a little bit, not going to lie. Um, and, uh, oh, yeah, I, I love that. That's, 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 another, that's another 150 that I'm not packing right now. Um, and then, you know, uh, the, the F for fantastic, that could have gone a couple different ways. So, so thanks, man. I appreciate it. Hey, we're really pumped to have you on the show. You are a very important figure in the football world, and we are so pumped to have you on the show tonight, especially with uh, – there's been a lot of news that's been coming out recently. Um, yeah. And I know it's been a lot over the last few weeks – and we're just kind of interested to to talk about that some, but also get to know the human that is Demora Smith. I think everybody just sees you on TV talking football. But they don't know that other side of you that I want to talk about. So I'm pretty sure my family doesn't want anyone to know the human side of me. So that's, that's <laughs> the thing. <laughs> they spend most of the time it. going, uh, why do people pay you for a job? Uh, that's, that's, <laughs> that's kind of where I'm in my household. But look, I'm thrilled to be here and uh, let's get after it. All right. Well, I want to start off with something that actually just came out today. Uh, it started because Dan Graziano came out to the NFL and the NFLPA agreed to a salary cap ceiling of $208.2 million for the 2022 season. Yep. And if it gets there, it would be a 14% increase over the 2021 cap yep. of $182.5 million. Um, obviously, the COVID pandemic basically kind of changed the salary cap uh, for this past season. And obviously going into this year, it's going to be a lot lower. Can you kind of explain uh, to our audience the process about how this played out and how you're able yep. to come to this increase? Yeah. Well, well, first of all, uh, we wouldn't be here if, if the players hadn't ratified the, the 2020 collective bargaining agreement. So, you know, if you the, the best way to understand our salary cap and how we're dealing with it is to take a look at other sports. Um, the National Football League was down about four – Point two billion dollars last year. Um, nonetheless, every one of our players got paid their full salary. Um, no other player in any major sports uh, last year got paid their full salary. And the reason we were able to do that 
is by taking this long-term collective bargaining agreement and spreading out the losses that would attribute to us. So, you know, to make the math overly simple, if the league was down four billion last year, that means player salaries should have been down two billion last year. So what we were able to do is to spread out our $2 billion hit um, over a number of years. And then we just set the cap based on the increases of revenue going forward. Yeah, and I think it's very interesting. Obviously, the players having had to take this this cut this past year, it's much deserved. I think also teams have been struggling uh, to try to fit under the cap as you've seen a lot of people becoming cap casualties right now. Um, so I love to see that increase. I love to see the players getting paid. Um, yep. Brad, where were you going? Because I know you had a direction you wanted to take uh, this discussion. Yeah, Demoris, I'm, I'm curious, you know, what does utopia look like to you if you were to achieve your mission statement in totality? And what have been the hurdles to get there? Uh, great question. I mean, we don't, I, I think this show is only 30 minutes long. So uh, my, <laughs> my utopia, we'd, uh, we'd be spilling over at least for the next couple of days. Uh, well, first of all, I'd be taller. So uh, <laughs> that, that would be the first one. Uh, you know, look, we're, we're a labor union, right? And... And I'm not sure our utopia for the NFL players would be much different than anybody else who runs a union. Um, you know, you, 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 want, you want folks to get paid a fair wage for fair work. Um, you want to make sure that, that they, got, they get the health care that they deserve. Um, you want to be able to take care of people who are no longer working through pensions. So... You know, I mean, we we have a long, you know, long, you know, laundry list of things. Um, but the the reality is, you know, if 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 we lived in utopia, you wouldn't need a labor union, right? Mm -hmm. If you lived in utopia, you wouldn't need someone to fight for fair wages and and, and fair working conditions because utopia would just be that. So um, we still live in a in a country where. Um, um, the average wages for Americans has declined uh, over the last 40 years. That has been consistent with the decline in labor unions. Um, mm -hmm. My guess is you guys are all a heck of a lot younger than me. Um, <laughs> you'd probably have to ask your parents and your grandparents about what a pension is, right? <laughs> there was a time when everybody in America got a pension, but but those things don't exist anymore. And, and I'm happy to say at least in the National Football League, there's only two groups of people who, have, who are represented by a labor union. Um, the, the players, of course, and the referees. It's no mistake that those are the only two groups of people who have minimum wages, health care, and a pension. And that's for a business that, you know, normally we would be making what? 16 17 billion dollars a year right anyway right long long answer i know but i know podcasts hate guys with long answers but yeah you know you invite so. you, we'll you, you said your goals were similar to any other large national uh labor organization do you ever contact any other organizations for insight or is it yeah, yeah all the time well i i um one of the first things when i joined um in 2009 was to really re-establish our core um, labor union ties. So 
Today, I sit on the um, executive council of the AFL-CIO. Sat there since 2010. Um, I sit on the board of, of the, the insurance company of labor, Ulico. Um, to me, it's really important to remind our guys that we're not, when it comes to working, um, we do the work. And, and I know that the National Football League um, is probably one of the most enabling businesses in America. You can literally be a player in the National Football League, and if you want, insulate yourself from what's going on in America. Um, we're workers. I mean, our guys are the guys who actually put their hands in the ground. So um, I make it a point to be very close to the AFL-CIO, to, to Ulico, to the culinary workers. Um, the people who took me under their wing uh, and really taught me this job was, was Marvin Miller, who obviously came from organized labor uh, before he was the head of the um, uh, Major League Baseball Union. Um, so it's important for our guys to understand that without these labor unions, let me just put a, put a blunt point on it. Anytime there's a work stoppage, the only friends we ever have are other labor unions. Uh, um, we don't get a whole hell of a lot of love from ESPN or, or, or the networks because they just want our guys to come back to work. Mm -hmm. um, the only people who generally support us in a, in a, in a bare knuckle fight um, are other labor unions. So Morris, you you mentioned that you know the players are the labor. They are what gets everything done. They are the product. They are why anyone watches the NFL, right? So yep. I'm curious, you know, have you had discussions with players of alternative business models to the way the NFL is currently structured? You know, when we talked about you know what a utopia might look like to you, you said we wouldn't need a union, and I imagine that answer is because the labor actually owns the product. Do they yeah. ever have conversations with you about that? Yeah, sure. We, I mean, we have tons of conversations about what it would take to achieve um, everything we want. But you know, let me let me flip the um, flip the hypo around. If if you were were representing steel workers, you would say, wouldn't it be great if the steel workers owned the steel mines, right? Right. They don't. If, they don't. If you were representing teachers. You would say, wouldn't it be great if the teachers owned the schools or if you were representing waiters and waitresses, um, wouldn't it be great if they owned the restaurants or Broadway singers? Wouldn't it be great if we just owned the business? Mm -hmm. Nobody does. Right. Right. And, and, right. And that's because the economic models in this country don't favor that. Um, even look at fledgling leagues that 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 start. Right. Um Everybody's interested in capital. And, and at the end of the day, it becomes very, very difficult, especially for a group of people who have an average career of three years to be in a position um, to own the industry. If we wanted to own the industry, I would tell our players, be prepared to strike for three years. Uh huh. You think that's what it would take? A three-year strike would would you could gather the the capital from banks to start a new league I, that players. I, I think if we struck for two years, we would get everything we want. But here's the problem: very few players want to strike for two years. Let's mm -hmm. be blunt, right? Mm -hmm. Because the way they would look at it, they would say, "D, if the average player only plays for three years, you're asking me to give up two years." of my earning capacity right and the reality is i might be out of football 
in in year two, somebody else would come and get my job and they would benefit from my sacrifice. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Yes. Yes. I have so many questions off of this, but I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Dave go. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I had a quick one because you're talking about the earnings and the economics. The league minimum is six hundred sixty thousand. Now there are players who make that on one end, and there are others on the other end of the spectrum that make multiple millions each year. Now some players can afford to take the year off, while others literally need it to provide for their family. So, how do you factor that in when you're, you know, deciding CBAs for the NFLPA? Yeah, I, I mean, I make it easy. The, I don't decide anything the players do, right? Um, right. Um, I, you know, I, I don't get a – I mean, I know it's surprising. I don't get a vote on the CBA. I don't. That, wow. Wow, that makes um, sense. We we negotiate the best deal, and then we turn it over to the players to vote. But 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 let's unpack that for a second. Um, I, I would guess the average age of the guys I'm looking at is 28. Yeah, you're good. All right. You're good. Um. What's the average wage of a man your age in America? Sixty thousand dollars. Probably maybe? sixty. I would say, yeah, probably sixty. Yeah. Nobody on our, nobody on our, in our league makes less than six hundred and ten thousand dollars. So when you say that there's a disparity between people on the low end, um, making six hundred and ten, and people on the high end, um. I don't allow us to sort of engage in this sophistry that people who are earning minimum wage in the National Football League are struggling. It's $610,000 a year. Sure, um, but they, if, they have a lot of people clawing at them. and No, 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 know, no, no, they... no, no. <laughs> Shut them down. Yeah, no. go to more. Shut them down. <laughs> no. I mean, let's, let's, I mean, when I talk, I'll talk to you like I talk to our men. Your job is to be a man and a businessman in the business of football. If you have people hanging on you and you have people, you know, sucking money from you, then you're not handling your business as a man. If your son um, came into this league and said, hey, dad, or let's just change around. Your son came in, graduated from college, walked in, said, hey, pop, love you to death. I got a job that's going to make me six hundred thousand dollars a year. Hey, but right. Pop, here's the problem. I can barely scrape by. What would you say? The well, first thing you would slay is after you knocked him to the ground and he woke up, <laughs> you would say, son, I need you to handle your business, right? But if, but as labor union prof- as labor union president, if somebody says my 660 isn't enough, aren't you supposed to get them more? Um, if, I, if they say that my 660 is not enough, I would say that's your minimum salary in the National Football League. Uh-huh. That's your minimum. So if you want to make more, um, what's the difference between a minimum wage earner and someone who makes more on the team? Every now and then we would just call that other guy what? Better. Better. Right? Mm-hmm. But the, the the play here is not that the 600 and, and people talking about that as the ceiling, $610,000 a year is the floor. Give sure. me another industry in the country where you're 22 years old. And the minute you sign a contract, you will not make any less than $610,000. If you and I were talking to a group of college students and every one of them was going to be guaranteed $610,000 for at least three years, you and I would be talking to them about how to live off of what? 
$100,000. How to put the majority of that money away. How to make what you earn um, not only money that you're you're making, but how to turn that into transformational wealth. Sorry, Dave. Dave, I got to commandeer this. This is this is good stuff. So, can you? Explain? I don't want him to hate us. I want him to. No, no, no. He's, no, <laughs> no, he's can't, no, I mean, look, I look. I, I love talking to you guys because you guys said that I could come on the show and talk to you guys like I talk to our players. Yeah, this absolutely. Is how I talk to our guys. No, this is this is this is great. This is what we want to hear. So, can you explain the organizational structure of the union? Like, how is everything funded? Yep. Is there a strike fund? How does the yep. sausage get made there? Yep. Well, you know, we're 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 funded um, we're funded in a in a very unique way. Um, unlike almost every other union in the country, and certainly unlike every other sports union, um, our union doesn't run on dues. Um, my salary doesn't come out of due salary. We have about 140 employees at the union. We're the largest sports union in the in the world. Um, um, all of that is is funded by um a company called players inc um that's our wholly owned for-profit subsidiary uh of the union we generate revenue every year based off of the the group licensing from our players so we take a portion of that money and we fully run the union we take a portion of that money and we fully uh fund and run players inc and then we write a royalty check back to every player in the National Football League. And, and going to your earlier example, whether you earn $610,000 as a minimum or you earn Tom Brady money, everybody gets exactly the same royalty payment because everybody is contributing exactly the same to that group licensing right. So we take our dues money and all of the dues money is never spent. We put it in a strike fund or a lockout fund um, for if we have to go to war. Oh, Brad, I just wanted to ask really quick. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Um, so the report came out today about the NFL and NFLPA coming to an agreement on the relaxed COVID protocols. To the extent that you're able to, can you tell us about uh, the, what the players wanted out of the deal and if there was any correlation with the Jawan James incident? No, I mean, there, there was nothing with respect to the, the Jawan James incident. I mean, just to do 30 seconds on that because it, it seemed like almost every sports writer – forgot that guys aren't covered if they work out by themselves. I mean, every player knows that. Um, the, the, any player not working out at the facility um, is subject to something called NFI, non-football injury. That's been that way in the National Football League since probably the first collective bargaining agreement. The, the relaxed COVID protocols were around um, the changes in the protocols um, given given if a player is, um, has obtained the, the vaccine. DeMorris, I have a question, kind of switching gears. You know, we've talked about the economics and people, you know, wanting their money. But we see a situation with Aaron Rodgers now where he's foregoing money. And I think Le'Veon Bell started the um, movement a couple of years ago of saying the best leverage we have is withholding our services. Yep. And it seems like a lot of players have done that now to kind of get what they want, making it more of a player's league. With this Aaron Rodgers situation, what are your thoughts on how, you know, players go about doing their business now? Hey, look, it's something I've been preaching to players for years. Um, you know, at the end of the day, there's, there's you know, in, in labor versus management, there's two macro frames, right? Um, there's, a, there's a lockout, um, and that happens when players want to withhold, I'm sorry, when management 
you know, locks players out and, and doesn't allow them to go to work. The other macro frame is is a strike, and that's where players decide that they are not going to to provide their services. And and look, we were the subject of a 134 day lockout, and and that was designed to to try to choke the players out. You know, thankfully, um, you know, we won a few lawsuits, and and we we bought a secret insurance policy that helped us through that. But you know, <laughs> at the risk of going back to before when you guys were born. Um, the, the, the major league players, baseball players, um, engaged in a strike in the mid nineties where those players canceled the world series. Did they get what they want? Yes. (laughs) Yes, they did because they made a decision to withhold their services, um, to force management to give them what, what, what they want. When Le'Veon Bell does it or, or Aaron Rodgers does it, I mean, we're all living in the sports world. We've seen basketball players do this for the last 30 years, right? Right. The only difference that I kind of find interesting is when basketball players demand a trade or when basketball players make a decision that they want a new coach, everybody's cool. When football players decide to withhold their services or, or, you know, tell management that they want to change, it turns into those players are being selfish. Why are football players subject to a different standard than basketball players? Right? They shouldn't be. Shouldn't be. Shouldn't That's be. A good point. It's, it's guys who are saying, this is my leverage point. And, and to take it like one step further, Management and teams have no problem trading players without even telling them. Guys wake up in the morning sometimes and find out that they've been traded to another team. When a first ballot Hall of Fame player like Aaron Rodgers says or expresses his dissatisfaction with certain things with management, you would think that literally the sky is falling. I just don't understand why... In one sport, everybody's okay with that. And in another sport, people are are now being castigated that somehow they're not team players, right? I, I don't know if it's somehow the way fans are connected to each league. In the NBA, I feel like people are more fans of players. And then in the NFL, everybody's more so with their team. Like people are LeBron fans more so than they would be a Lakers or a Cavs fan even. I, I've got my own theories, you know, Um, I I just, I don't, and I don't know which, what is the real reason, but everybody on this call knows that there's a difference between the way, um, the way they're treated and the way that, that basketball players are treated. And, and I think it's, um, it's duplicitous at best, right? Yes. I want to, I want to talk a little bit about players Inc. some more. Um, the NFL doesn't have any like stake or ownership in that, correct? This is all wholly owned by the players. One hundred percent owned by the players, and um, we would never let an owner have a stake in Players Inc. Okay, and just out of curiosity, <laughs> is there is there a number? Is there a number, an amount of money that you think you know it would take for the players to be comfortable? for a three-year lockout? Um, I don't understand the question. So is 
say if uh you know the next big um distribution deal comes through and you know there's an extra however many billion for the players to split with the owners whatever money that gets funneled towards player players inc is there an amount oh. that you could save to make to make a two-year lockout feasible oh yeah 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 i see what you're saying so now let me let me make sure we understand each other no, no money from football operations goes into players inc so um, how, i don't i don't understand how it gets funded so um you you uh you guys ever heard of the madden game yeah. Mm-hmm. oh yeah that's our so game. that's who we got to get uh nfl 2k5 back yeah that's yeah. madden game is our game so we take the group licensing rights of every nfl player we go to ea sports they want to do a madden game ea sports rights players inc a big old check um uh-huh. if you grab a jersey um and you take a, a a look at the front of the jersey obviously the front of the jersey has the nfl seal on the front okay if you want to put a name on the back you cut a check to players inc <laughs> there we go um if bose um headphones wants to do a deal with to be the national um headphones of the nfl player of uh, of the nfl and they want to use um nfl players i mean if you want to if you want to show the pair of headphones laying down on an empty field knock yourself out if you want to see a pair right. of headphones on nfl players you stroke a check to, to players Inc. does that make sense it does it does so you know your question was how much money would it take um to to for players to have a you know not play for three years i i, I don't i don't know the answer to that i i think I mean, just keeping it real for a second. Um, mm-hmm. Players went on strike in nineteen in the nineteen eighties. Um, those um, they forced the players to come back to work, and from nineteen eighty to two thousand and twenty, if you looked at the the growth in annual sal in minimum salaries. My guess is if you told a bunch of 1980s players that they were going to make no less than $610,000, my guess is those players would say that would be enough. That would be enough for me to strike for three years, right? Um, yeah. Going on strike and fighting for what you believe is right rarely has anything to do with money. Um, to I want to be respectful. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I wanted to be respectful of your time. So there were these last two things I wanted to ask you here. Um, One, I know your son plays lacrosse for the University of Maryland in the Final Four. Can you talk about how proud you are right now and uh, what your predictions are for the Final Four? Well, you know, you you guys all have fathers and and we're all proud fathers. And um, the the grind that it takes to play any sport, you know, at almost any level is is tough. You're... You're playing D1 lacrosse, and, and you're grinding your way out there. Uh, he's a D midi, so he's he's used to just all hustle, all grit, no glory. Um, and uh, we, we call him champ in the house. Champ, champ and his buds just fought their way through Notre Dame, so we're about to stick it to Duke uh, this weekend and then on to, on to the championship on, on Monday. And, you know, win, lose, or draw, you're just always going to be proud of your kids when they set a goal. And, um, you know, I, I, I can't can't be more proud of that cat um and then he gets to play duke so in our household <laughs> man we just get after it when we go after duke man it's just kind of a thing so um it'll be a good one on 
a good one on Saturday. They're a good team, and uh, then Virginia, Carolina, and we'll see what happens. We are talking with DeMora Smith, executive director of the NFLPA. DeMora, we'd like to get our guests out of here with a little triple play rapid fire, a fun little this or that style question game. Are you game? Sure, sure. I'm, at, I'm literally like, I think like the skies are about to break. So if it's fast, let's go. All right. Watch lacrosse or watch football? Lacrosse, not even close. All right. <laughs> you're, you're trapped in a rom-com with your enemy or you're trapped in a horror movie with a friend. Mm. I'm going to go always. I'll choose being with a friend. Oh, in the horror movie. All right. I like it. Oh, yeah. Eat broccoli with every meal or watch an episode of Keeping Up with the Kardashians every day? Oh, I would, I would, I would plunge broccoli through my eyelids. <laughs> I guess that'd be how you feel about the Kardashians. <laughs> Next one. How about sweats or suits? Oh, I, I mean, I know I'm. I'm kind of suited up, but I'm all, I'm, I wear nothing but sweats around the house. Love it. <laughs> talk to your past or your future self? Oh, no, that's not even close. I, I talk to my parents every day. Um, I'm not sure I would ever want to talk to me at any given moment, at any given point in history. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the first time anyone's ever said that answer. That's hilarious. All right, uh, last couple here. Do you cut your sandwiches down the middle or diagonal? Man, you know, I don't cut my, I don't like my sandwiches cut, man. I just... To shove the whole thing? Yeah, that's the way we get after it, champ. Ah, I love it. Would you rather live in a world with no crime or no privacy? Say that one more time. Would you rather live in a world with no crime or no privacy? Oh. No crime. There you go. You're talking to a homicide prosecutor, so... (laughs) (laughs) That makes sense. But wait, if if there was no crime, wouldn't that mean you'd be out of a job? I'd be done. I'd be on a beach somewhere, champ. I I already thought this through. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> Last two. Your favorite candy of all time is? Uh, I'm going to go with a Milky Way. I can respect Ooh. the Milky Way. Not, not Kit Kat territory. No, but no, 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 no. Stop. You're, you're, you're offending me. Um, <laughs> Milky Way. Last one. If you went head-to-head against me in a legal case, who would win? <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, yeah, you would. I'm just being nice. Oh, so I can put that and then I can put that like in my this resume. Is David's favorite brand of question where he tries to get like a sneak compliment by putting I know. it in I mean, her like, situation. It's really sad. I mean, it's like borderline <laughs> pathetic, but uh, you know, I felt Oh, uh, well, thanks, thanks for playing along with us. And uh, thanks so much for joining us today. I know you're a super busy guy, so it was really fun to kind of pick the business side of football with you. Anytime, guys. Man, I really enjoyed this one. Anytime you want me back on, I'll do it. Awesome. We, anything you want to plug to our audience? Anything that you would uh, just like to say to everybody before we get out of here? Go Terps. There we go. Go Terps. Terps. Awesome. All right, fellas, be safe. See you tomorrow. Thank you. Bye-bye.